Starfield, Star Trek, The Next Generation, Yesterday's Enterprise. New theme song by Dan Burhans. Hey guys, welcome to Minefields. We're doing another simulcast for Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, this one was on the fly. I started an episode, texted Colin that uh, prune juice was a warrior's drink. I just get a giant <laughs> stop. <laughs> stop. You don't know what you're getting into, and I just texted right back, Minefields? Question mark? Minefields. Let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into that, it's been, I don't know, like six days recorded. So we just, what have you been up to, man? I haven't talked to you this much. I'm actually working again. I'm super excited about it. I'm doing a uh, commercial job. I, I wouldn't mind explaining a little bit more about that later when uh, I've actually done it. Because I don't like to make too much of a big deal out of anything I'm doing. You just try to maintain a little, uh, I haven't signed any non-disclosure agreements, but you kind it's like a lawyer client privilege thing you know or confidentiality you just don't make a big deal out unspoken of it. yeah unspoken. yeah just don't do it it's not good uh, practice but um yeah i'm working on a commercial right now it'll be nationally televised um it, i it might play before movies uh i don't really know yet um major talent involved and by that i mean some of the most in the biz um but uh, yeah, today. So I've been driving around collecting materials that will be featured in the product, and um, uh, today I was out uh, doing some stuff, and <laughs> I, um, uh, I, I don't know. I encountered a lot of interesting things. Some some things brought me uh, a little bit more excitement than others, and um, uh, yeah. You know what? I don't think I should say anything else. Never mind. Oh, we'll, we'll we'll come to it maybe in our in one of the regular intros. I'm a little I'm feeling a little shy about this, but we picked up comics yeah, it's fine, this man. week. Yeah, yeah. It's it's nice to hear you excited. Yeah, we got it. Man, this was a big haul this week, wasn't it? It was huge. Yeah, we got a load of comics. I think both of us got at least seven. I finally found uh, the variant covers of uh, the Black Order that I was looking for. Um, Oh, those gorgeous, the gorgeous face covers? Yeah, they're really nice, and I know that, that title got canceled, so uh, it'll be nice to have one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, I've got all five or all six or whatever, but um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I've been busy, to, busy today and this week, and it's going to carry on through the week. What are you uh, doing? Today was my mother's, yeah. today was my mom's birthday, we, we uh, she, uh, she didn't feel like going out, so I uh, ordered some food, we watched the... Uh, Really sappy, actually quite good Mark Wahlberg movie where he adopts a bunch of kids. It was a, it was one of those like uh, genetically engineered movies to make people tear up. So it was a good oh. good afternoon, and we got our cake, and you know we ordered some barbecue. We had a good night tonight, and uh, I, you know, settled in and turned on some Trek, and well, here we are. Here we are. Well, happy birthday, yeah, Mama here we Torres. Are. Yeah, Miss 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 Julia, she's uh she's a wonderful woman. I'm just happy to have her. 
That's a great name. Oh, we got the I got the best I got the best picture of her. I was just popping off photos, and I ended up getting this shot with like my dad going in for a kiss, man, and they're just oh. like an inch away with like puckered lips. Send it to my sister. I'm like, all right, we're pro shopping this one. This is gonna, this is going on the wall somewhere. There's like, there is, there is the him going in, her going in, and then the right in between. Like, it, it's gonna be a great triptych. But uh, yeah, I digress. But well, you guys don't care about that sort of stuff. Uh, you care about Star Trek because yeah, comic books here. and wrestling. Also, that's why you're here. Oh, all right, yeah. so this is this is yesterday's Enterprise. I started it. All I know is that there's uh, some Warrior Prune juice, and I immediately was halted, and. This was originally broadcast on CBS on February 17th, 1990. Oh, not exactly. Syndication. It was broadcast on whatever station was paying for it. So, Oh, uh, gotcha. I'm, like, going off on, I'm going off yeah. IMDb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh, CBS actually owns the license to Star Trek stuff now. Uh, and it's like, it's weird because there's like a different... Paramount has the feature films and CBS has the televised. Uh, and I guess CBS streaming platforms too yeah because yeah. you can't you can't get discovery on any anything other than the cbs streaming thing my friend was yeah. pushing about it the other day for discovery but everything else like if you pull it up pull it up on hulu or netflix there's a cbs logo just branded there like a uh-huh. cigarette burn i am yeah. actually really itching to start season two i kind of want to get through the orville first which has been really entertaining um i was thinking about how much i cracked up about the about bordas and clyden Eating the cigarettes and smoking cigarettes. It was just the funniest. They are they're such a great character duo. But uh, we already talked about that. It's uh, a really balanced show. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into this, and, and I want to, uh, this is something I I've been wanting to talk to you about all week about when it comes to Trek. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the underlying, what's the word, important aspects to why. This is so timeless and important. So, sorry to be so redundant. Yeah. Is that they focus on as perfect communication as can be, and that yeah. is a hard thing to describe. Like you can tell someone we're both speaking English right now, but we're not speaking the same language. And I'm not talking about whether or not you speak Klingon or, or if you know anything about Star Trek. I'm talking about whether or not you told you adequately communicated something correctly to somebody to absolutely portray what you were literally thinking with without any ambiguity or for any room for there to be any hostility like in this occurred to me during uh, some episodes when they're doing you know uh, mediation yeah totally they they are trying to communicate as best as possible and you see even within the characters i'm they're trying to communicate my idea to you because i'm this type of person i'm this sort of species and we want you to understand this, and that's one of the sp- special things to the Enterprise is they, they carry expert communication. I know that might sound like something that's a little r- ridiculous, but uh, if you think about it, how many times do you speak in plain English to someone and they don't understand you? Oh, man, or, it's, or, it happens all the time. Um, or, or or you get worried about something like, oh, did I communicate that right? Did they think I was being an asshole? Did they think I was thinking this when I was really saying this? That's what I'm talking about. Sorry. Yeah, not at all. We're going to have to talk to Jack or whichever dog it is down there and tell them, to, tell them they're, uh, they're communicating a little bit too uh, forcefully. I know. It's these, it's these awesome mics we got, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. 
Yo, yeah, yeah. The last thing I want to say anything about was uh, I went by. I was out shopping. I went by a Hot Topic, and um, you can get some mad deals on Bullet Club stuff right now. That, <laughs> that is bumming, That is bumming me out because yeah, they're li- they're li- they're liquidating. But uh, during WrestleMania, they've got a big meetup coming up where they're probably going to make some big announcements and some big changes, cool. and they're they're showing some um, they're showing a lot of new bootleg shirts. What is up with Jack? I don't know, man. I don't know what's up with that dog. You're going to have to feed him a steak and a Benadryl or something. Mm. That's a good idea. All right, so we're we're watching this on Netflix, guys. Uh, Not on Hulu. Netflix again. We're both synced at zero, zero, zero. Colin, uh, tell me when uh, to engage. (laughs) Yeah, we'll say... Engage. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a three, two, one. Engage. Okay. Not a. Not. Not. We're. We're gonna lethal weapon it, and we're gonna say it's a three, two, one. Engage. Not a three, two, one. And you know, going. Yeah. So here we go. Ready. Uh, three, two, one. Engage. So you should be seeing Worf and Ten Forward at the for. This is the single most forward part of the USS Enterprise D. Really? Yeah, that's what is it? part of the gag. Now, I think, I mean, I'm sure, because this is the underside of the ship that you would see other windows if this were the top side of the saucer. But this is what you called me about. Prune juice. Warriors. I, this, I, everybody who's ever seen this episode remembers this line. It just... It's it takes over. It's so cute. It's so good, and to see Worf liven up like that, pow! And that's part of the reason I knew exactly what you were talking about. And the the subtleties when it comes to listen, I need a uh, I need a Klingon woman because I'm gonna break her in half. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Hey, look at the 3D chess set in the background there. Oh yeah. You're a little bit ahead of me. You might want to, and you might have to turn it down some. Cool. Uh, I can't tell, but uh, I think that Guinan has a United Federation of Planets logo on that drinking glass of hers. It might be something else. I was one time looking at a drinking horn that Captain Picard used in uh, the episode Preemptive Strike, and um, it had a Pier 1 logo molded into the bottom of it. <laughs> It's nice to see Pier 1 exists into the 24th century. All right, how far did you get? Did you get here? Yeah, she's squinting. There's the ship. Okay. You don't know anything that's going to happen, do you? I have no idea what's going on. Okay, yeah. Worf's walking in. Sure. Cool, we're good. They're on yellow alert. And it's just season three. So, like, you know, we talked about the uniforms are different. Anyway, okay, focus up, man. This is going to get intense for you. How do you like Riker these days? I love him. I love when Q pointed out, like, you're a little bit different before the beard. Check this out. <laughs> yeah, sorry. This, this, sh- that locked off camera shot is very important. What the? Oh my god. 
<laughs> oh, there she is. Check oh, out the entire my. production design difference here. And we're back oh, in 10 forward. Dear. That was Yar. You told me I'd get to see her again. Oh, my heart stopped. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, she's got that perfect 80s cut. Her like, hair preceded is awesome the, in this episode, yeah. That, that preceded the pixie cut. She's got that short, perfect 80s, mm -hmm. like, swoop. Look at that big, beautiful ship right there. I love the Ambassador class. Check it out. Oh, all, oh! Look at the extra nuances. Mm-hmm. Love that belt. Oh, she's beautiful. I was so sad when she died. So this is the immediate. Yeah, you've got to. We got to sync up a little bit. We'll. I'll zip through in a second. But uh, so I'm gonna take it back a second. And, um, yeah, she's, uh, you're going to find out why this is happening. It's really interesting to watch this with, so we, you know, usually Joshua will have seen an episode one time and have all this insight. And then I come in, we're a little bit beyond that in this episode. Yeah. You halted me. You, you need, you, you like absolutely demanded to be with me on this one. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. So uh, what we can notice automatically is all the production design difference in the Enterprise. There's no three chairs. It's just the captain's seat centered. And uh, you're going to see additional consoles on the left and the right of the bridge facing the uh, view screen. And they don't do that again until Star Trek Generations, the seventh movie. Um, and you notice that wire mesh under the uh, tactical console... That's just different. It's also painted red, and there's different lighting, you know? Obviously, yeah. and also, like, Picard's makeup, he usually looks healthy and tan and whatever, you know? They all look... It looks really ominous. He it looks, looks ominous. He looks gray. He looks a little bit morose. And, yeah, everybody's got those belts. They called them Sam Brown belts because that's the, uh, the classic type of thing you see, like, London police officers wear, but... Or, or, you know, uh, English officers during the World War One and a lot of other times, they got away from that design because people were too easily grabbing hold of them and, you know, in fist fights or, I don't know, you know, personnel battle. Anyway, I'm going to shut up about it. But those things are specific to this episode alone. Yeah, this... There's there's so much detail you got to pay attention to. The, the ship has been through some some, some shit... Yeah. Did you just see uh, Shooter McGavin there? Christopher McDonald? No, I think you're a little bit ahead of me. Oh, no, I'm talking about the credits. Oh, I did not see that. I did not notice him, Mr. Christopher McDonald. So he's, uh, I assume he's going to be a piece of shit in this, like his and everything. <laughs> uh, you're going to be pleasantly surprised, I think. Oh, I, I love him as a piece of shit. Don't get me wrong. He's one of my favorite pieces of shit that eats pieces of shit for breakfast. <laughs> So that starship design is, of course, a direct... It is the missing link between the Enterprise B and the Enterprise D. It's uh, The B would have been an Excelsior-class ship, of course. And um, I don't know how many of those you've encountered to know what that looks like, really. Uh, if you've seen Star Trek III, and it, it plays a 
pretty reasonable role in that movie. Is wait, is Wesley a full fledged uh, member of the Federation in this? Well, they're all Federation citizens. He's Starfleet. He is a full Starfleet ensign. So, that, that's that's what I meant. That's what yeah. I meant. Instead of just being like a you know like junior. Uh huh. They should have given him some fluffier eyebrows. Yeah, he does look like the, the wispiness. They they trimmed his hair. It yeah, looks like they gave him gray. more like liver. It looks like they gave him more liver spots in his head. Maybe I don't know if they ever. I've never heard anybody uh, comment on that aspect of it. He's lived a harder life, you know. This is an alternate reality, right? He took his time in opening that frequency. He usually does it much faster. Oh, it's usually Worf's job. But maybe the first officer has more to do with that in this battle universe. I'm just saying he thought about it a little bit harder than he usually does. Oh, yeah. Well, he also made a good point to uh, not call the starship, call the Enterprise by name. You'll notice, too, that their uniforms, they have black cuffs stitched in at the end of their sleeves. So did you get the premise of this? The Enterprise C was... We're talking over everything, uh, obviously, everybody. But uh, like we say, nobody's nobody's watching this to hear the the episode if you're here to listen to us. Um, The Enterprise C... Look at notice the uniforms here. These are yeah. motion pictures era uniforms, late twenty third right. century, early twenty fourth century uniforms. This is Captain Rachel Garrett of the Enterprise C. And uh, the Enterprise C is recorded in history in the main line. Of Star Trek as having been destroyed by Romulans at the Battle of Narendra III while responding to a Klingon distress signal. And this changed the course of history. It, it was a pivotal moment in Klingon Federation history, wherein the mere fact of a Federation ship, let alone the flagship, showing up to save the day... Proved to the Klingon High Council or whoever happened to be there, popular support that the Federation could be trusted to help them out. Well, they probably, and, and this is completely off subject, but one of the good things about the change of the uh, uniform, the subtleties, is make sure you knew exactly who you were looking at. Mm-hmm. Because when we look at Captain Picard as a younger man in previous episodes and later episodes you know we'll see him as a younger guy and he'll be wearing the uniform we see presented here so the dead person earlier was a junior officer like a or a non-commissioned officer and i know you know what that means as an air force guy an air force brat yeah. uh but uh captain garrett and the man they just pulled out that was christopher mcdonald they're wearing officers uniforms Captain Scrap, 
I love hit how absolute his commands are. Recommendation. It's, yeah. yeah. Uh, specify. Uh, speculate. Yeah. Look at their relationship in this episode, though. It's a little bit harder, for sure. Yeah. They are not into one another. And Guinan, yeah. Oh, so she's the she's the linchpin in this, ain't she? You got it. Now. Boy, that that blue light that they have, that hard spot on him, which is a blue gel, is really doing a lot for this. Look at that map. Someone had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, Mike Okuda and the art department. This is a one of my favorite parts about it. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts about. (laughs) Honestly, the sadness here is that Guinan has no business being on this ship in under these circumstances. But why wouldn't you have a bar on a ship that big when you're not only carrying? Fleet yeah, but letting officers, the, you know, but soldiers that could go get sent down to planets or marines to assault ships. But the bartender just showing up on the bridge. Right. I don't think that happens in the main continuity at all. Oh, this go- – okay, look at that gold office, gold uh, uniformed guy that just went by. That's, uh, that's Guy Vardaman. He just took – there he is. He just snapped two. Uh, yep. That's Guy Vardaman. He is a sweetheart. Um, I met him when I lived out in L.A. I've got a signed uh, Darian Wallace card They have uh, from the Star Trek customizable card game, uh, the old Decipher game for anybody who ever is interested in that. Um, and uh, like I say, he's a total sweetheart. He used to come by the, by the retail stores. Uh, it's a wrap in Burbank and uh, West Hollywood. And um, he brought his little kid. He's just a real great dude. And he, he would play Data's hand. Like, they, you know, this is the A unit when you're filming this. You're filming the A unit with the hero characters. The uh, Team 1 is what they call it. They have Team 2 is stand-ins that look more or less like the actors. And they wear the same clothes. And then they, they, do it, they position them in the same sets to say, like, hey, we're going to... Uh, we're going to light the scene while they're not working and while they're, you know, not here while we're getting it ready. Because they have to emote on camera. Look at what Patrick Stewart's got to do. Look at what Trisha O'Neill has to do here. They have to emote. They have to get into character. So you have stand-ins working with the crew. They light the scene. Well, Guy Vardaman is not a stand-in, but he would work B-unit sometimes. So this is team. This is team one doing a unit work. 
while they're doing this, B unit might be off filming something different where they don't have to see actors' faces. They have actors like that guy. Guy, in fact, looks a lot like Brent Spiner by way of size right. and shape. And so they'd go in and they'd paint his hands gold. And whenever you'd see Data's hands like flying over some computer keyboard or something, that was usually Guy's hands. As opposed, as opposed to at the same time, Brent Spiner's filming something more important on a different set to like, yeah, speed up yeah. the process. Uh, yeah, just yeah, it streamlines getting a five-day shooting schedule handled uh, when you have all that stuff to do. Um, and like I said, so you know, there's a misconception I think of people who aren't doing set work or working in the film industry a stand-in is not like an understudy in the theater. I need somebody who knows all the lines and can take over for me if I'm sick or if my aunt dies or something like that. If I get a broken ankle doing the job, right. they can get the stand-in. Right. Or the, I'm sorry, the understudy. It's not the same thing. Now, as as a writer, I am absolutely appreciating the fact that I am sitting up rigid, completely on the edge of my seat, filled with I like to the point where I don't know what am I feeling dread am I feeling anticipation it's all at once I feel like I'm feeling yeah. like 10 things at once alright all right, there's shooting me Gavin <laughs> beautiful things about these costumes I think you're just gonna have to rewatch this a few times man there are a lot of things to keep up with when you look at uh, uh, Lieutenant Castillo here his name is Richard Castillo you notice his uniform He's got the division strip, as we called it, that, that shows uh, what what division he's in, because they are all wearing crimson, right? Right. And so he's an officer because he's got a white division strip, even though it's uh, even though it's uh, dirty. And then his rank is presented on the front of that. Well, it's also duplicated on his left sleeve, and so. He has a little placement above his strip on the sleeve that says his rank. But then it says how many years of service are what that little bar and that little pip are in the white. Uh, they're also they're also all armed. Um, what? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, Yar, all of the all of the uh, Enterprise D crew are definitely armed with a Type Two phaser. Yeah, but but that that's not something that happens all the time. They usually no. get one when when they need it. I have no idea why they would be armed twenty four seven, even on the Enterprise D. Excepting, of course, you know, when Klingons surround you, space is probably a lot smaller, and you could be asked to go from sector three one three seven to sector three one three six in a flash. Uh, likewise, you know, we don't know why would. Uh, why would there be stormtroopers marching around in formation with blasters drawn all over the Death Star? You know, look at this, too. Their collars aren't exactly the same Mandarin-style collars from the previous episodes. Yeah, and Data's hair is a lot more close-cropped on the sides. Huh. There's only so many subtle little things you can do to yeah, change. Yeah, those are definite extra uh, liver spots on his head. Huh. Maybe it's just, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you, but maybe it's the light popping something that might be there. Well, the blue lighting is one thing, but, like, that office lighting that they have on yeah. the main bridge usually will, will show any any blemish. Yeah. 
So the gentleman, the uh, the white gentleman who is walking right behind them, he was in the ten forward at the beginning when Guinan was walking away, like sensing this whole thing. Uh, he's a frequently reoccurring background performer, and if you notice, he's wearing a season one and two jumpsuit with the po- the collar piping. Yeah, get a good look at that. You see, you see, uh, he's wearing his uh, Era's Starfleet Type Two phaser. Having worked at a hospital, it, it bothers me that there's no railings on these beds. <laughs> Good point, they're man. Fall, they're Seems like a liability risks. concern. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised they haven't uh, let him go get cleaned up yet. But they did wipe the blood off of uh, Captain Garrett's, Captain Rachel Garrett's face. She's got a real nice Laura San Giacomo, or Giacomo, if you got it. It's a really nice look, you know? Yeah. So, they, this peer, you know, this character and this ship, the Enterprise C, comes from a time. This is the only amount of information we're, only, we're ever going to get about it in canon resources. But for those of us who are interested in it, there were the Star Trek The Lost Years novels. And they're. Really pretty good. There's one about the Enterprise C. There's one about the Enterprise B with uh, Captain John Harriman, featured in Star Trek Seven Generations. Um, he's portrayed by Alan Ruck, you know, Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And uh, that book is quite interesting. It's It's got a lot to do with the Romulan situation leading up to them going into isolation. There's also a difference here that she finds Picard in his brooding phase, trying to figure things out, standing up, standing up, pacing, rather than sitting down and sipping tea politely. Yeah, look, I mean, he's in the observation lounge, too. He's not in his uh, ready room. Yeah, and and he's raising his voice. I think that he wakes up every day in the orange. You know, when you go from, like, you're in the green, you're in the yellow, you're in the orange, you're in the red zone... Like you think about a needle, I think he, I think this unfortunate iteration of Picard wakes up every day in the orange. No rest. Yeah. Four, four hours, half one eye open. Sorry if our uh, stuff is asequential, everybody. I think we're a five second difference right now, but it's am, not. Am I ahead? Am I ahead of you, or are you ahead of me? There's nothing we can do about it without uh, really, you know, finagling it. It's fine. It's not like they're list that we can think it with the actual sound. Yeah. So we're good, yeah. They just there's so many gray hues added to Patrick Stewart in this episode. It just makes him look just a little bit more austere, I guess. Oh, shoot, check this out. This is the first time Guinan has ever seen Tasha Yar. Let me guess. She wants the usual and doesn't know what she wants. So when we were talking about uh, we were talking about um, Spider-Man the other day and this idea of uh, how after the House of M storyline, 
Spider-Man had the memories of both existences. The one where we're all familiar with it. And right. then the one where he was married to Gwen and he had kids and Aunt May lived with them and everything was wonderful. And uh, so I think I feel like that's what Guinan's going through. Except that she doesn't remember the other one. Or if anybody's ever seen Frequency with Jim Caviezel and Dennis Quaid, freaking one of my favorite movies. movies. So great. I saw, I saw it in the theater. I, I walked away just like, what did I just watch? Like it was yeah. an unexpected, unexpected. Uh, it just it's. A, I, I, I thought it was a, a really, throwaway movie, you know. Oh it man, I, I feel like a lot of people thought that. I think that is one of the most underappreciated, approachable sci-fi movies ever. I never thought of it as sci-fi. I love that. Mm-hmm. Ah, they like each other. Here we go. They like each other. No, she likes me. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, what I meant to say was, it, I've never seen the logo in red like that. <laughs> oh, is he wearing a badge? Is he wearing a Starfleet badge at all? I don't know. I this, that's see. the beauty of this, is that I'm, well, to me, it's fascinating looking at the altered production design from costume to the sets to the lighting. No, you're 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 on cue when it comes to thinking about this in frequency when one person knows something that the other one doesn't and they don't know why and don't know how to fix it and they don't know what's going to happen and they don't know what they should do. Did you just witness that shot from right to from left? From right to left? All of yeah. that rack focus from one character to the next. They almost all had yeah. a line, except for Data. That is some masterful camera work. That's the sort of stuff Alex Gray does when he makes his paintings. When you see things in focus, you shouldn't. Uh-huh. But you don't notice that it's in focus that you shouldn't see it. He just does it so perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I'm talking about in weird ways. Like, if you watch the... Look at the uh, covers for Kingdom Come. They're all spaced in ways that they should not be in that perspective if you're actually looking at them that way. Right on. Who'd you say? You said Alex Ross, right? Yeah, Alex Ross. No, no, that's great. Sorry. Okay, yeah. I, thought, I felt like when you said Kingdom Come, I, was, I clicked finally for me. It's kind of interesting to me to also wonder whether or not Data has any business existing in this universe, too. I mean... Would the uh, it was the Omicron Theta colony, right? Like, why would Doctor Soong? I guess he would have run away to try to make his dream a reality, even in this battle-worn reality. I figured out a way to put his body into something, even. Like he tried to put himself in Data, right? But even no. then, if he could have put himself in, oh, Doctor Soong, you're. T- I think you're thinking about Doctor Graves. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm getting mixed up. Ooh, look at her again. She's got green eyes. She, I mean, she's crazy. I wonder Always if they had the, had that uh, fling in this reality. I sure as hell hope so. It's and I'm not saying that on a you know pervy thing. I'm just thinking about it along the course no, of no. Like, what else is would have, would never have happened. I I, exa- I know exactly what you mean because it, it affected data. It really it, did. It, yeah, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, it's amazing to me that Data is so Data here, and he's not that much difference. I wonder. I, this, I mean, I kind of want to. 
study the whole episode now. Like, what? where was the direction? Who made the decisions on how they were going to perform their roles differently? I wonder if this is one of their favorite episodes that they made. And the reason I bring that up is because there's an episode of the X-Files called Bad Blood mm-hmm. where they show three different perspectives. Um, sorry, I just get distracted by her. Um <laughs> They, they show the, the difference of perspective from one specific happening of you see like – well, technically it's two. Mulder's uh, mm-hmm. reca- recapping of the story and Scully's recapping of the story. And then you see like kind of like what the other people kind of saw just a little bit. So that's why I'd say it's almost the oh, third. yeah. But, but, but they, they're basically getting their stories together about when Mulder ex- <laughs> murdered this kid that he thought was a vampire and they're getting their stories straight. <laughs> Mul- uh-huh. Mulder's telling his side. She's telling her side, and they are drastically different in terms of perspective, and that really ties into what I was talking about in terms of communication about one person sees, one person uh, listens wow. and hears, and what you're actually looking at at the same time, and you can see eight different things, and how the Enterprise is focusing on making sure everyone sees the right point of light. Mm-hmm. But the reason I bring it up is because Jillian um, Anderson's said that was her favorite episode to make because of how much fun they had in changing all the little things from one totally. one perspective to another and then reenacting it and then it it seemed whimsical if i if you just hear me tell you that's what a, a vampire story mm-hmm. but it's not it's it's a, it's it's a, there's serious undertones the way it is here it's like the end of clue Oh, absolutely. Look at how good Trish O'Neill's makeup is there. Her eyes are just gorgeous. She is quantifiably a middle-aged woman. She's just beautiful. I, th- I think it's unfortunate, actually, that you're watching this without being without having watched it first now. Because I think that the impact of what they're saying is being lost on me and no, you yam- no. yapping. No, no, no. I, I'm, 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 I'm listening. I'm, I'm watching. But the thing is, is uh, I just want you to watch important. it again. Oh, I'm gonna definitely watch it again. But I'm just saying, like, don't go back on you stopping me. Like, hey, we need to watch this minefield time because <laughs> this is excellent. Yeah. Oh, look here. This is excellent. Oh, I'm looking. Uh, it's just that. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry, no. Uh, what I think is getting ready to happen will happen a little while later. Um, I guess the other thing that we notice about these uniforms, if you watch the feature films, the the uh, Starfleet officers wearing these uniforms, they have a, an undershirt with a trapunto collar. Uh, it's a type of Italian or Spanish, I can't recall, needle that made that quilted appearance and uh, it, the color of the uniform shirt corresponds to their division as well. But there are like seven divisions in that time period. Uh, maybe more. Yar has smiled three times in this episode and it's really making me weird, weird out. Yeah. I don't get the impression that she, her, this iteration of her smiles, you know, no, I'm just saying I don't remember her ever smiling. Oh, she did. She smiled in the uh, in her uh, season one. Oh, that was weird too. 
So this shot with Riker here. There's a, one of my favorite game cards. The Federation had an attack restriction. You couldn't just go around attacking people in that that card game I talked about. And you had a card for that, uh, that of that of that image right there that allowed you to do it. <laughs> and you you always had to stack the deck with one of those in case your opponent was being a turd. So yeah, I'm glad you noticed that Wesley is a full ensign here. He deserves to be. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if if it would he he would be the same character had he not gone through that like like when you're like from what I understand if you if you reach Eagle Scout you immediately get a certain ranking in, in the army. Uh, you go from private second class to private first class. It, yeah, it, but it, it, like they they just give you an immediate promotion upon signing. Well, what I'm saying is, is that would would he have been as valuable an officer had he not gone through such a uh, long, arduous course to to be a, a ranking officer in the Federation? I think that Starfleet tra- officer training is probably a little bit more rushed. Starfleet, sorry. In this in this reality, and I think that uh, um, I think that they probably. Might have let him, his mother, transfer to the Enterprise uh, as a posting, bringing him with her, and maybe they ran him through a two-year program and got him into yeah, the but, uniform, you know? But my point is, would he have been as valuable and as intelligent had he not gone through everything he did in the main universe? Yeah, I think he would because one way or another he's still kind of a Wunterkind. Wunderkind? I don't know how to speak German. Wunderkind. Wunderkind. Uh, and what's more, he probably got drafted. So I doubt it's a four-year program during a battle or a, a battle-weary universe like this. This is like a perpetual World War II that has gone across multiple sectors of space. And that being the case... I don't think that they get the opportunity to take a leisurely approach to officer training. Gotcha. Furthermore, he's a legacy, and his dad was definitely an officer. His mother is a full commander and a doctor. There's a lot going on there that says Wesley should be an ensign at this point. I really love her hair, man. It's so different here than in Love her Mm-hmm. I'm surprised she's even standing still. Guy and I have to meet somebody. What happens to me in the other timeline? I told her. Yeah, there so Captain Picard told everybody about the probability of there being a timeline different there, there that there's a different timeline. So, and I know I talked I know we definitely talked over those points. So, they're ru- they were rushing the Enterprise C to give it all the benefits that they could to send it back through. So it's one of those things, Riker and some of the other characters have a moral disagreement with Captain Picard's judgment because they know they're sending these people back to their deaths. Right. But they think if you go back and you die like you're supposed to, maybe everything's different for us. Unfortunately, Captain Garrett got killed in that little Klingon attack a second ago. So now Commander or, uh, 
Now Lieutenant Junior Grade uh, Castillo has to be in command over there. Unfortunately, his captain's log was just a bunch of numbers. Look at this lighting. And I guess we are in the ready room now, huh? This is uh, one point one point lighting. This is something yeah. that da Vinci, da Vinci created. That's why the Mona Lisa is so important. Okay. Thought it had something to do with the Da Vinci Code, but whatever. No, no, it has everything to do with the with one point lighting. Hmm. Uh, Renaissance paintings before that were uh, multi multi lighting. Yeah. Uh, ambiance. No, this is their the light is focusing on one specific thing to accentuate <laughs> things. Yeah. I showed you that. Uh, oh, what was it? Yeah, like I was. It was either Hulu or it was Netflix. The little icon for if you want to start watching Next Generation. I noticed it the other day. So it's got the Enterprise. And you're looking at it from under the saucer, but you can see the whole ship. And then there's, and it's lit from one direction. And then they had a shuttlecraft going away from the ship, and it was lit from the other direction. I was like, that's just poor Photoshop right there. All they had to do was flip that thing, and it would have been totally different. Would have been totally appropriate. Absolutely no logic. No, but but the the lighting is purposeful. Like, oh, yeah. there's a light. There's it, it's a clear division. There's there's good and bad. There's right and wrong. There's yeah. light and dark, and that's why they're lighting it that way. Yeah, totally. Go back and watch Return of the Jedi, and when Darth Vader is looking for Luke in the Emperor's throne room, and uh, Luke is half in light and half in shadow. It's kind of the same thing as we're seeing here. Exactly. I mean, you could say we're reading too far into it, but whatever it is they're doing perfectly accentuates what we're making up out of our heads, whether it's right or wrong. Well, I mean, I don't think it's reading too much into it, seriously. I mean, this is like the gaffer suggested doing this to the director of the episode as a really cool concept or the director said, you know, Hey, this is something we need to consider doing. And the gaffer was like, hell yeah, we'll do that. I get to be creatively. There's also like, there's also more sets on this episode than on most than three or four, but they're already, I mean, they put some money into making the enterprise C bridge work, but we don't see any other part of it. This is the same bridge as the USS Hathaway from the last time we tried to, the last uh, episode we it tried to work look, and it, it didn't does work. Look, it does look like the Hathaway. It's the same bridge set. It's just uh, different trans lights in all of those lit panels. They're beautiful. So when we were talking about that, the uh, uh, L-Cars is the operating system that the 24th century Starfleet ships all use. And that was designed by Mike Okuda. Uh, the look of what the screens were going to look like. And it's, it's uh, what was it, library computer 
access and retrieval system, I think is what it stands for. Well, this is not, what we're seeing here, just past his head, is not Elkar's, but it is the link that you start seeing this appearance. It's a transition, because right. Mike started working on Star Trek in 1987, and the Enterprise all looked a certain way, but in 1987 they were on a Klingon ship in Star Trek IV. Well, in Star Trek V, they have another ship, and then in Star Trek VI, you see the natural progression from that uh, production design to what the Enterprise D L cars looks like, mainly because they all came out in 1987. The, 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 the forethought that Mike has for that kind of stuff is second to none. I shut up right in time. This is it, man. Oh, no. So you know that Tasha transferred over to the Enterprise-C. Right, right, right. She, she wants to reminisce on something she doesn't know what she needs to reminisce about. Well, she knows that uh, she has no place in, the, in, the, in this timeline... She, has, she shouldn't be there. Guinan basically told her, you shouldn't be here. You need to die. And what really, it would have been just too much for Worf to be the commander or something of one of those birds of prey. They could have at least hinted at it and showed it for just a second. Maybe, yeah. Just a ha even if it had been of his voice just being like, yeah, surrender, and then he was like, commander, blah blah blah. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I think it's just too much. Give the guy a break. He doesn't need to be in the makeup for the whole episode. He was there sending, in the beginning. Sending thoughts and prayers. Klingon thoughts and prayers. Reading nothing. That's gnarly. Oh, so hell yeah. We're going to see that phaser special effect again in an episode that's coming up. Oh. That means they're not going to warp. You cannot go to warp without your navigational sensor array. And we're screwed. I think that one of our uh, long box articles needs to be a detailed analysis uh, for layman of why this technology makes sense and actually could work. When right, you have an I mean, antimatter like, uh, leak like that, or that's not an antimatter leak. That is a coolant leak, and the coolant will liquefy flesh on contact. A warp core breach or an antimatter uh, 
an antimatter destabilization means that you've got matter and you've got antimatter that cannot come into contact with one another or there will be an enormous explosion. So you have to contain the antimatter hovering in a stasis and not coming into contact with anything. Copy that. Yeah. Oh, no. Dead. Go get him, Patrick. Would have been... Ah. Mm. This parting shot here, man, I'll tell you. Would have been nice to see him take out just he's gonna, one he's more gonna, ship. He's going to destroy the Enterprise and take them both out for the other one to escape. Archer 4. Oh my gosh. I'll tell you about Archer 4 in a second. I do appreciate the fact that you can... If you need to do what you just did, the bartender calling the, the bridge, they're not going to be, what are you even calling us? Okay, look at Jordy. He's still wearing the cuff and the collar oh. from the previous uniform. That's just a straight-up continuity mistake. They shouldn't have done that. That's just an accident. Uh, as if he didn't have multiple other... I'm going to pause my episode. As if he doesn't have multiple other uniforms to stick him in, but that's just one of those fun nitpicker moments when it comes to uh, keeping track of the episode. So... Archer 4, not a big deal. Um, they just threw that name in there arbitrarily. Um, you hear them say, after the, you know, the Klingon shouldn't be so bold after the pasting we gave them at Archer 4. And then at the end of the episode, we find out that the regular crew is on their way there for whatever reason. Which means they're really close to Earth. Because... Okay. Archer 4 is the first planet visited by Scott Bakula's Enterprise NX-01 in the Enterprise series. And um, they beam down to that... Well, they don't beam down there. They go down to the planet, and they're having a nice little thing. And uh, there's that whole joke where Captain Archer's beagle goes out and pees on a tree, and Trip says, Ha! Where no one has gone before. And um, turns out the planet is full of allergens that are psychotropic. So everybody starts hallucinating, and uh, we wonder then why anyone would go to Archer 4 after that. Well, they name it Archer 4. It's the fourth planet in the system, and so they're like, yeah, it's Captain Archer's planet. Cool. Well, that's all cute and all, but hopefully they found some cure for the allergies so that people don't have psychotic episodes on the world. That was spine-chingly good. That was... It's a good show. That's a great that, episode, man. That one was amazing. That was absolutely worth... You putting the brakes on me watching it on my own. That's a top five list for just about anybody watching TNG, 
maybe at, for people's Star Trek episodes. That's maybe a top five for a lot of people. It's definitely a top ten for most Star Trek fans. Uh, I think once we're done talking, I think you should just watch it all over again. But I got to get up at 530 <laughs> and go back to work. Oh, right on, man. Yeah. Uh, man. Are we, uh, are we uh, casing out here? Um, I don't know. Do you got any other uh, insights just from what you happen to watch there? And we can, of course, uh, talk a little bit more about it later. No, no, that was – that's definitely something's going to mess with my dreams. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> when are we going to see some crazy episode like that on the Orville? Before uh, – when I talked to you earlier today, I was complaining about how Orville is – as much as I love it, it's still got – uh, Brandon Branga working on it, and he was one of the showrunners on The Next Generation. Um, he had a producer credit and a writer credit, and uh, he was teamed up with Rick Berman. And then later, they started recycling their own concepts, and you started seeing stuff appear in Deep Space Nine later seasons, and then you really saw it all over Voyager, and even worse in Enterprise. And even in Enterprise's amazing... Season three, you still see them break away from their through line of the series and uh, go in and, and um, do like a very TNG episode or whatever. It's just kind of uh, they just never seem to be able to get beyond their own good ideas. They just ran out and rehashed them. And they're kind of doing that on the Orville. Nevertheless, um, it's still great. The Orville's making it their own. While doing they simultaneous are. simultaneous homages to things that they love from very, you know, a myriad of uh, different sci-fi type uh, uh, subjects and titles. Yeah. But when it comes to – now, the, I think one of the reasons why you're thinking that about the Orville is because you have not gotten to an episode that is it's entirely its own. And also something that is oh, going no. to put you. No, th- I'm sure there's some that you you would you would put on the list. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but you're still you're still in the uh, early inklings of uh, season two. You have not gotten to identity part one and two. Right. When you find out what Isaac's true mission is and why he's there sure. on the Orville, and they go to his planet and like the the whole reason he's on the. the the reason why uh, they allow him is because they want to invite his planet into uh, their version of the Federation. The Union. The Union. It's a good name. And when when it happens, and I, I pray, just just trust me. It's it's going to. Oh, I know it. it it's going to make your. It's going to put you on edge. It's going to. When you learn a secret about somebody. Uh huh. But at the same time, it's not their fault. It's it, it yeah, was, sure. Like I watched, I, I watched uh, Identity. We're gonna have to do, we're gonna have to do a simulcast on that one. That'd be fine. Uh, just you should, yeah. Let, let let me know when you've watched Identity Part One and Two. I think you're like four issues behind, episodes behind. Yeah, I'll get there. But after you've after you've watched them, you're gonna like thirty minutes into the, the Part One, you're gonna call me and be like. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, just just keep watching, and also uh, keep the trust that you have 
in Isaac and in the, the same trust you have that the, the Enterprise will always do the right thing. Yeah. It's like a iRobot. Yeah, uh, you're really going to hate the fact that you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. Honestly, like, I love like, that like, book like, and I love like, that movie. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, imagine, imagine if iRobot, think about iRobot, Ghost in the Shell, and then also think about The Matrix. When Imagine if the robots took over the entire planet and they wanted more. Yeah, sure. Totally. I dig that. That makes sense. Yeah, so so keep that in mind. I have to wager the same thing because, like, you know, this would be a good year to finish that rewrite on my my novel. And uh, it begs the question, what do the aliens want? You know, why are they here? Why are they doing these things? I know why, but at a certain point, it's like, how do you explain that to the readers in a way that uh, that isn't just hackneyed you know it's got to be a little bit more it just has to be more it's, i agree I, I just, and that's I one just of the like, reasons i think why minefields exists is because we're not just here go no good go ahead no no i want to hear what you're saying i think that i can lace into that we're exploring uh, the, the things, concept one of the reasons of why i think minefields narrative fiction. of everything it, it, <laughs> yeah we're not just like hey hey Hey, you know, this episode was great. This happened, this happened, but, yeah. but why did it happen? Why did it happen? Like, even if you didn't like what happened, it had to go that way. As as writers, I can see why the person that was, like, sitting up late at night, smoking a lot of cigarettes, uh, would the, the page would take over, and the narrative just leads itself that way, and it only makes sense that way. If you If you would think about it, and you would get, like, what you wanted if you got what you wanted would you really be happy with it when you got it it, it it's it's one of those things in wrestling when like oh this, obviously this has to happen and that's what we want and every now and then it does happen and then when it does happen the crowd freaks out and be like boo we don't want this and like this is what all you guys were talking about on the internet this yeah. is what you said you wanted and well, that's, now, why, that's what happened to Kofi this week you know yeah, and what it yeah. really boils yeah. down to is thinking about that. I'm not entirely sure if it was uh, Dr. McCoy or somebody else who said it that like wanting something is not so good as having something. Right. But then again, no, 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 I'm sorry, that, it's the reverse. It's uh, having something is not nearly as good as wanting something. Right, and the, and Stan Lee said at the same time though, when they asked him about digital comics, he's like, yeah. Uh, looking at boobs is really great, but there's nothing better than having one in your actual hand. <laughs> that's the that's the uh, flip side of what I just said, but I dig. It that's that's why I said it. I think why that's I why uh, you know that's we're gonna go a whole new direction now. Yeah, that's why uh, boobs, man. That's why minefields exist. Uh, this is dangerous, and if you figure out why we're doing this, and why these concepts are good. We're not just sappy saps. We, this matters. To this is why stories are good. This is why stories matter. But that's, that's all I got for, for this episode, man. You got anything else to, to wrap up? 
No, hey, just folks, if you're uh, if you love yesterday's Enterprise, um, if you would love for us to do that X Files episode, if you would love to hear anything more from us about it, you know, hit me up. If you disagree, I'd love to hear it when if somebody disagrees, you know, just uh, get that message to us on Facebook or email us or any of that, you know, How, get a get a hold of we're us gonna, however you can. We've got a Twitter now. We're gonna have to do it. Yeah. Yep. We're on Twitter. Go to uh, minefieldscomicspodcast.com. It's Colin and Josh at minefieldspodcast.com. Uh, mine, I'm sorry. It's minefieldscomicspodcast.com and Colin and Josh at minefieldscomicspodcast.com. Let us know. We have to do. <laughs> we have to do bad blood for for X Files for sure. I, I, yeah. Like when I wrote it. Yeah. Mm. All right, man. Uh, yeah. Lead us out. All right, you guys, uh, thanks very much for uh, hanging out with us. And um, Joshua needs to sit down and rewatch that one and not have me yapping at him. He just needs to get the subtleties of the, the acting, and he needs to get the uh, context of the, of the uh, script, too, just to hear it done right. Because, man, the way they say it, the voices, the way they uh, deliver their lines in that episode, they're the same people, but they're slightly different, but they're... Uh, it's the actors getting to perform different versions of themselves. It's just really great. It's really a lot of fun to watch that one. Uh, so, yeah, thanks a lot, everybody. Take it easy. Live long and prosper. Good night. This is dangerous. Out.